Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. I am Jake Shapiro alongside Will Whalen, the editor of BSNBuffs.com, Ryan Koningsberg, the former editor of BSNBuffs.com, and audio engineer Ali Monroy, who will be joining us at some point in the podcast. Uh, boys, how's it going today? Blake Street Tavern doesn't get much better than this for a lunch spot. Sure does not. Having a great time. Uh, obviously glad to be back for another week. I think we have a... I think we have a great show lined up, uh, and it's obviously great to have our new contributor, reporter, sound engineer, uh, five-tool player, Ali Monroy here. Are you already uh, giving us. her uh, uh, title promotions? Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. We have to get at least three stories in her career. I don't even know if I had any stories before you title promoted me at Rivals. I'm bad. I'm not bad at that. I, I do it to, you know, it's it's a it's a team morale thing. I really felt like I had to step it up. I was like, oh, I'm a senior writer now. I really got to go. I, and the thing was, that that happened on accident. Oh, yeah. I didn't actually, like, one day I just like called in the, our senior writer or something like and that. And Adam was just like, since when did you become the senior writer? He like saw me change my bio. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Will Will told me I was. Yeah. So I, I will say I, I'll ask Ryan this question, and I was there as well. Music back at Folsom this past weekend. Yep. Grateful yep. Dead, uh, Dead and Company were there. John Mayer was there. Ryan and I were there. Fantastic show, Ryan. Doesn't get much better than music at Folsom. It was so cool because for me, that's my first time ever seeing a concert at, at Folsom. You know, I was only nine years old when Dave Matthews Band played there in 2001. Um, and just like the history behind concerts at Folsom and seeing people um, just, I mean, f- they were happy people in Folsom. And it's been, it's, it's been a little while since yeah. really everyone's, you know, together and smiling and um, not, people aren't like cursing people's names under their breath the whole time. So just to be in there, um, really feel that vibe. It was really just beautiful. I hope they bring concerts back on a on a more uh, more. I hope they bring them in more often because it's a really cool thing to have there. I mean, the pictures that come out of there are just beautiful, and seeing that many people in there is awesome. Yeah, I've, the the I was actually supposed to go to Sunday night show. Uh, ended up being conflicted enough that I couldn't make it. But honestly, it's summer in Boulder is already so unique, and and it's. I mean, it's it's the peak season for tourism, and you have all that, and then you bring in uh, a cultural phenomenon like Denton Company, uh, and it just it's just great energy uh, around town. And obviously, you know, we've talked about this in the past, trying to find a way to monetize Folsom Field even more, uh, and then monetize Kurz Event Center moving forward with the sounds or with the uh, improved sound system that they're gonna install. So it's, I mean not trying to blow it up to be more than it is for the university and for the departments, but you know, it's, it's a great tool to have. Uh, it's the most beautiful, second most beautiful venue for music in the world, in my opinion, behind Red Rocks. Uh, so really cool to see Boulder have that, have that going on over the weekend. I know I wanted to, I wanted to post like best city in the world, best venue in the world. And I was like, I can't lie. Like Red Rocks is the best venue in the world. Yeah. And I'll say, uh, it was reported only 26,000 people were there Saturday and 24,000 people were there Sunday. There were way more than that. And that's, I was really trying to figure out what the deal is with that because obviously CU is not going to try and lowball that. I don't know if like people were sneaking in and they didn't, couldn't account for them or what it was, but I mean, you're only cutting off about, I think they only were cutting off about 5,000 seats. So the capacity was, I was guessing, was about 45,000. I mean, there were at least that many people on the floor. Right. I mean, the, the floor was completely jam packed and then. The stands were more packed than I've seen for any football game in the last few years. I was, I was sure it was over 40,000. I'll wrap up this little thing by saying I, I do know for sure that 
the CU Athletic Department is working on at least two more concerts for next summer, uh, and that all reports from in the department stated that the concert went as well as it could have gone for the first concert in over a decade being taking place at Folsom. And it really was a great atmosphere. It's probably the perfect band to get back in there for the first concert in Folsom Field in a decade. Yeah, I just want to say you're welcome to CU Athletics for, or to the Athletics Department for the $56 donation I had on four Dale's Pale Ales. Yeah, dude, I spent a lot of money on Dale's Pale Ale this weekend. I mean, they're $14. Yeah, but they were double cans. Right, I mean, it was double cans. The problem about double cans is you don't, they get warm before you can drink it all. At least oh, I drink it's it craft. too slow, son. Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna get into some football. Uh, talk about this year's football team. Specifically, what exactly do the Buffs need to do to get over this hump? And you know, this year, it, it, it's not next year. What do the Buffs need to do to get over the hump this year? Make a bowl game, actually contend in the Pac-12, and be a team that isn't just a pushover. Yeah, there's there's a lot. And when you talk about, we've talked in past shows about, well, they're close. Ryan, there were some games where you felt like they were actually the better team and they didn't get the result. With all of that said, I mean, at a certain point, you have to look at what specific things need to happen. What position group needs to play over its head? Who's the biggest key? And There's no question in my mind that the biggest key to this year is the play at the quarterback position. Sefa Lufau is going to be the starter day one. He's going to start against CSU. I think that's pretty well uh, kind of accepted around town and, and in the college sports world when we talk about Colorado. The question is, what kind of year can he have? He doesn't have a Nelson Spruce. He doesn't have a Paul Richardson. He doesn't have that All-American caliber receiver that he's had in some years past. So he's going to have to step it up. He's going to have to transform his ability into something that we have yet to see. Because how many times in years past have we talked about key games where maybe one less missed throw, one 15 to 20 yard pass that gets completed, one misread that isn't thrown. All of these things that we've talked about in the past are going to be vital because while I think this team has the ability to go to a bowl game, their margin for error is pretty small. This is not a team that can just go out and screw up multiple, multiple moments every Saturday and still find a way to win six games. So I look at Sefa Lufau as a really big key, obviously, for this year. I think his turnovers specifically, uh, and honestly, non-throwing turnovers. Fumbles. Seriously, I, I, how, many, how many delay of games are they going to have? Those kinds of issues, uh, because I think a fumble is almost more demoralizing than a turnover. Because when you're when there's a turnover in the in the air, generally it's just a misread. You're taking a shot. You're taking a chance. It's a one-on-one play. You made the mistake. The defensive back made the play. When you get sacked and fumble, that's a breakdown of offensive line. That's a breakdown of protecting the football by the quarterback. That's a dominating possession by defensive line or linebackers. There are so many things that contribute to that. That's why fumbles are so damn demoralizing. You don't need to hype up a defensive line. You do not want to get guys pinning their ears back, rushing you as a quarterback. And you don't want to demoralize your offensive line, who is my second group, that has to perform above their pay grade. Because... I mean, guys, if we're looking on on paper at this group today, what position group on paper is probably the weakest 
on the team. Offensive line. Offensive line. And it's maybe it's, one of the most important positions and it doesn't get recognized. As exactly. Such. Exactly. I mean, the best the best thing you can say about an offensive line is nothing because you're not talking about them other then you'll talk about them opening holes for running backs. Sure. But the air game is going to be vital to this team this year because there are going to be nights when your defense doesn't have it. This is the Pac-12 and you're going to need to play catch up. You have to be able to pass the ball in the Pac-12 to win your football games. And if your offensive line is getting dominated night in and night out on Saturdays, you're screwed. You have no shot. Those are my top two position areas. And, and I'd almost lean towards offensive line. But even with, a, with rough showings from offensive line, you can still have a quarterback make plays beyond that. That's why I have Cepho at number one in terms of most important position for the Buffs this year to take that next step and make a bowl game this year. So your guy is Cepho. My guy is Cepho. And then, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces on the offensive line. I, I wouldn't say that one is anybody is any more important than the other. You just need the group to improve I, as a whole. I, I could, I, yeah, I, I really do. Um, it, it, do you think them getting Irwin back? Because it seemed like when that injury happened, it just demoralized the team. You know, the offensive line, I, I know it was only a few snaps, and it was a few games, but as soon as that guy went down, it was a completely different squad. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that's going to be a big thing. And on, I'll be honest, one of the other... One of the other notes that I would make about this team is since the margin for error is so small, there are going to be games when you need to get points out of a drive. You need to cut a lead in half. You need to pull. You're up three. You got to get that to six. Diego Gonzalez is going to be huge for this team. I cannot emphasize that enough. That's why he's my number three guy. But, you know, I look at Diego Gonzalez, and personally, I compare it to other sports where, you know, you say, oh, if only they would have hit all of their free throws, or if only they would have knocked in all of their runners in scoring position. You're never going to have a field goal kicker that goes 100%. But you're right. He did miss some key field goals last year, and he did need to improve from that one hash. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you kick 75% in college, you had a good year. You had a, re- you had a yeah. really oh, solid yeah. year. And, and if they get 70 to 75% from him, or what, what it really is, if he is really good from 25 to 40, they're going to be in good shape. If they can get average on the course of a national scale average from 40 plus, I think, I th- I think you, call, you call that a success. 100%. Because what it really is is how many times did this team get to the 19, the 26, the 32 in the last couple of years? And, and it's almost like, well, now the adventure starts once the field goal kicking unit came out. Right. Yeah, I'm going to look. I think all of those are good points. I don't want to necessarily look at a position group as much as I want to look at getting to the quarterback. So whether that's yeah. from the middle of the defensive line, the outside linebackers, whoever it is, the safeties. I mean, I know they sent Cheeto a lot. Whatever it is, they need to get to the quarterback more. Um, and they need to get to the quarterback in big moments. Here's something really interesting. So they had 28 sacks last season. It's okay. It's nothing special. <clears throat> 18 of those came in the second quarter. They only had three sacks in the fourth quarter the whole season. That's a great stat. That is not okay. It's a great you stat. You have to be getting – I mean, that's why, they're giving, that's why they're losing these games late. One of the reasons. You're allowing the offense to go down the field without having pressure when, you know, when you're tired in the end of the game – 
being a pass rusher is not easy. You're fighting to get past a guy every single down, and if you get if you do your job twice, you had a good game. Yeah. So at the end of those games, you're so tired because you've just been fighting and fighting and fighting. You're not seeing the fruits of that labor. That's when you really have to dig deep and find a way to get there. To only have three sacks in, in the final quarter of games is one of the reasons that teams had such an easy job building these comebacks on them or putting away the games late. You know, two in the first quarter is bad, Because you don't have that difference-making sack. Right. That look at Vaughn, difference-making I mean, is that Is that a depth problem with your front seven? Yes. I think uh-huh. so. Yeah. You, need, you need a lot of different things. But, I mean, like, look at the impact the Broncos' defense had for them last season. It's... It was always at the end of the games when they were doing their biggest work. I mean, so many of those games were won late because of sacks, strips, fumbles. Um, you look, I mean, you know, winning the Super Bowl is, is won off of a strip sack uh, and kind of locked up because of that. So, And how many times in the last couple of years have we seen the Colorado offense take the field in a fourth quarter or maybe with a chance to cut it to one score or even tie the game? They don't get much on first down and then that second down – Lufau gets sacked. How many times have we seen that? And it's huge. So late game pass rush, I think, is a huge thing for me. Um, You touched a little bit on the offensive line. It's kind of the other way around. You know, they gave up the largest amount of sacks in the fourth quarter. They gave up 17 of their 41 sacks in the fourth quarter. That is the type of thing that turns the game, that kills that drive that you're trying to build, just like you just touched on. Um, So those two things, you know, and that flips back to the offensive line. Clutch playing clutch and i think that's almost what everything comes down to being clutch playing clutch making big plays at big times uh and it starts in the trenches always how how important is the return of josh tupo to that number one and how you know if he shows up a if he shows up well b that could go a long way but in my opinion i mean what, what, what can a healthy Addison Gillum do for that? Because God, you, when he was a freshman, he was a bat out of hell, chasing down guys side to side and, and chasing down mobile quarterbacks. He has not been the same since that due to injuries. If he can come back, and he, I think it's a John Major situation in a little bit. John Major was the same way when he was a freshman, lightning fast side to side, could never regain that, but that affected the entire way he played the game. If Addison Gillum... It can hold down his spot. He doesn't need to be the same electric linebacker. If he can play his spot, that can free up Derek McCartney. That can free up somebody like maybe Jimmy Gilbert can have a little bit more of a consistent effect this year. Uh, I think about, I mean, you talked about sending Cheeto Bay off of the corner and how much success they had with that. I think those are some guys that can have mo that will benefit from having a guy like Gillum back with regards to chasing down the quarterback, as you were saying. I think Josh Tubo has a chance for a big impact. Um, the challenge for him is going to be getting into shape. Of course. Uh, he's a big boy. He's uh, not And I remember when he was on the team and was working out with them all the time, uh, a coach told me about a time that he went home for a long weekend and came back 12 pounds overweight. Just a long, just three-day weekend. Um, now we're talking about a whole year out of the football team. Yes, yeah. he was working out a little bit, but there's a difference between uh, going to the gym when you feel like it and having to be in there every single day for workouts. He's He's got a long way to go to get back into playing shape, uh, and that's going to be a challenge for him. And I didn't mention Jordan Carell. Right. I didn't even mention it. And, and Jordan Carroll. I, I, the, the two R's, two L's on any name will it's always, always throw me. It's yeah. always tough. Uh, that's somebody that will... 
that obviously had an impact last year. And again, we're talking about guys that need to make leaps. We've seen moments from all of these guys. Can they play one or two steps higher? How about that? even Jace Frankie? Jace Frankie had a couple of really good games. Yeah, last yep, year, totally. I, I will totally. say linebacking was going to be one of my key position, position, uh, positions to improve because when they went down last year, there were a couple games where I felt like the Buffs could have won if their linebackers were healthy. At this point, we've talked about it. I think Addison Gillum, anything he gives you is an addition at this yeah. point because you just don't know where he is at. He's missed so much time. Yeah. You know, it goes on and on and on. But for me, one of the key things is getting as many turnovers as they got last year. Doing that again. They, got the, uh, they were the only team, I think, in the Power Five that got a turnover in every single football game they played last year. That's incredible. And they were pretty good in the turnover margin for how poorly they did take yeah. care of the ball. So I think making sure that they force those turnovers and spin that momentum is going to be clutch. Now, as Ryan said, it's now capitalizing and making those clutch moments actually you know, productive. And here's the scary thing. Because last year at this time, I fully admit it, we were saying if they can get turnovers – they can they can get over the hump. That's what we were having when we had this conversation. You know, 365 days ago, I was saying they need to get turnovers. They need to create turnovers. They got those turnovers, and it didn't get them over the hump. And that's scary because turnovers. There's luck involved. No, where, no matter how you want to look at it, there is luck involved in turnovers where the ball bounces on a fumble. Of course, totally. It'd be very easy for the way that luck went there that went their way last year to go back to how it's been. Uh, and if they don't get those turnovers, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. I agree with you, Jake. They need to be able to create turnovers again. And and a lot of that, I think, also depends on your defensive backfield. Because if, if you have a if you have a if you have a D line and a linebacking group that doesn't pressure the quarterback, number one, that gives him all day to find guys, <laughs> obviously down the field. But if you have a defensive backfield that can hold up receivers for an extra second. That can cover somebody for an extra anywhere from a half to a full second, then you are you're again you're allowing those guys up front just an extra beat, an extra beat to get to the quarterback to put pressure in his face. And you talk about a defensive backfield that, in my opinion, has a really high ceiling with Tedrick Thompson, Cheeto Bayouzi really leading the pack. And there was there were, I think you Witherspoon is a guy who's had moments where he teases you and all of a sudden you're looking at him you're like damn this guy could be good and then it doesn't and then and then he disappears for a game you you have he's kind of soft just gonna put i mean he's showed to be kind of soft in the red zone especially right yeah he's gotten bullied by bigger stronger receivers he doesn't exactly want to you know stick his nose in there in the run game um but I think there's a big future there in Isaiah Oliver on the other side. I was about to ask you about him. I was about to ask you about him. He kind of came out of nowhere. By the end of this year, he's going to be viewed as the top corner on this team. If you're not counting Cheeto, Cheeto is going to be everywhere. I mean, you're not even going to know. What, they're going to have to make him a new, a new position for him because he's going to play safety. He's going to play corner. He's basically going to play linebacker. Um, so I don't even know where you want to put him. Do you think the versatility of the defense will perhaps help them? Because you have a guy like Tedrick Thompson that can also play a, a little bit down, a little bit up. Uh, I mean, he's such a ver- he's such a good player back there in the secondary that they move him around. So you have two guys in Ted and obviously Cheeto a lot better that you can move a little bit around the, the defense and confuse the offense. And then you get 
guys that are used to playing the same positions rather than moving them around like a Derek McCarthy or McCartney, sorry, or a, I'm, I'm the worst at pronouncing names, or an Isaiah Oliver. And all of a sudden they're comfortable in their spots and you have only a couple guys moving around, but those are the guys that are really going to confuse the offense. As soon as a defense can count on each guy doing their job, it makes a world of difference. And you saw them begin to trust each other last year. And to me, that's a big reason why they start to have success. As soon as Cheeto starts feeling like he also has to do Addison Gillum's job or Kenneth Olabode's job, or um, Kenneth Olabode starts to feel like he has to do Josh Tupo's job. And soon as, soon as you're worried about someone else not doing their job, you can't do your job as well. So... I think this defense is going to be into a position this year where they can trust each other. And when that happens, uh, great things happen for defense. That's when you see more turnovers being created, more sacks, because everyone thinks I can just focus on me and not worry about where each guy is lining up or what they're doing wrong. We've talked really quick. Well, we've talked extensively now about the defense. Is the defense more important for improvement than the offense, than the offense this season? If the CU buffs are going to make a, make a bowl. Say that again. I mean, we, we, we spent the last five minutes or so talking about the defense. We, I touched on the offense. We haven't talked too much about them, which is more important for them to step up to a, to a level above their head maybe. It, it might be just scoring in the red zone, honestly, and that's obviously the offense. I think it's a tough question because they are – I guess I trust. I, I have more confidence in the offense to be Fair able enough. to do their thing, um, but they're they're equally as, if not more important. I just have more trust in them, and that's weird because last year they didn't right. do to, anything to right. earn that trust. But they showed an ability to move the ball, yeah. and I think they just, like Jake said, they just need to find a way to capitalize on that. We talked a little bit about how they can get to the next level, but what is that next level? What exactly do they have to do? Uh, to, what is that next level? What is, so to speak, that next what? You're making me go in circles here because he keeps doing a circle. Is it upsetting a big Pac-12 school? Is it making a bowl? What is that next level? We'll talk a little bit about that. We're going to get into which sport has it better between basketball and football, which can possibly you know, build off their success faster and which can turn around a program quickly. So all that and more on the BSN Buffs podcast when we come back in this quick commercial timeout. Get back, JoJo. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. With over 30 strains to choose from, we offer elite cannabis that is grown clean with zero harmful pesticides and always hand-trimmed. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. Our knowledgeable staff will guide you through your shopping experience and ensure you make a well-informed decision. Stop by today for daily specials and to see why customers are raving about Preferred Organic Therapy. Conveniently located at 1569 South Colorado Boulevard, mention BSN Denver and instantly save 15%. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. 
Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh. So they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tea time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Don't miss the Yamaha Get Out and Ride sales event at Coyote Motorsports. With low APRs, huge customer cash, and more on Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. From championship Yamaha sport bikes and YZs to sport ATVs and side-by-sides and grizzly, viking, and wolverine models. So see Coyote Motorsports today for huge Get Out and Ride savings. Offers good 216 through 63016 on select Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. See Coyote Motorsports for details. Welcome back into the BSN Buffs podcast. We are at the Blake Street Tavern, but if you are heading up to Denver from South Denver this weekend, why don't you take the light rail and stop off at the Lincoln Light Rail Station at the Clock Tower Grill. It's a great way to start or end your night, especially on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays, grab those $3 Long Island iced teas. Wednesdays, 75-cent wings. And Fridays, $3 shots. Great way to start your evening at the Clock Tower Grill. Beautiful read. Beautiful read. Only took us eight times. Um, so, officially back in the BSN Buffs podcast. Now, let's talk about what is the next level yeah. for the B- yeah. for not the BSN Buffs, for the Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> next step is commercial reads on the first take. Yeah. So, so is it upsetting a big Pac-12 school, say, an Oregon, UCLA, or USC, or is making a bowl really all that matters for this program at this point? I just want to say we, had, we need to tone down the laughing. I saw someone was upset last week that we were uh, having a little too much fun on the podcast. This Hurt. here is a serious podcast, and nothing is funny in sports. Everything is serious. Yep, sure is. Thanks, so, Jeff. Anyways, um, what was the question? <laughs> Dude. No, I, you, when you talk about... At the end of the day, right, that's the question. What, what's the next level? Because you could be jacked up in October after a win over somebody, but at the end of the season, that's when we, we talk about the state of a program, right? I mean, you think about a couple of years ago, John Embry really struggled to win games in his first year, yet they won their last two games. The mood of the program was on the upswing. The road losing streak had been snapped, uh, when they won at Utah, the seniors won over Arizona on senior day. There was so much hype surrounding this program just because of the way things ended. So I think with that in mind, it has to be making a bowl game. Because what if, what if you win three games this year and one is CSU and two are ranked Pac-12 opponents? 
did you did you make progress? No. No, you lost to Idaho State. You lost to Idaho State. <laughs> you lost to Oregon State. And and I've asked this I've asked this question in the past actually with regards to football and basketball kind of would you rather? You know, would you rather beat these really great teams or lose to these kind of crappy teams, uh, you know, or take the other trade off where you lose to the great teams and beat the crappy ones? And and the results have actually always been pretty mixed, which surprised me because if you're not going to make a bowl, but you beat uh, a UCLA, a USC, an Oregon, like one of these top programs, if you if you don't make a bowl, but you beat one of them. It probably means you're missing out on opportunities to beat teams that you quote unquote should or have a really good shot at beating. And so it's it's a push. Like what progress did you make? Other than I can no longer talk about how Mike McIntyre hasn't beat anybody good. That's the only thing that would have changed. But if Mike McIntyre can lead this program to a bowl game all of a sudden, it doesn't matter who you beat. It doesn't you can lose to every ranked team on your schedule. On that weekend, but if you get to six wins, all is forgiven. All is forgiven because you're playing a 13th game against a a new opponent. You have the first bowl game in the modern life for just about half of your college students. You're talking about the first bowl game that I will have ever covered for the University of Colorado. First bowl game on Twitter for Bob. Wow. I mean, I talked. Wow. To, I actually yeah. talked to Curtis, the marketing guy. Uh, you guys all know Curtis Snyder that listens to this podcast. And he basically said, we need to go to a bowl game so we can get more Facebook likes, was the end of his conversation. Like, because they haven't been to a bowl game since they started their Facebook wow. page. So they have smaller numbers than all the other Pac-12 schools. I've never my face page is, page is popping off. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I actually never thought about, like, Wow. Just how much, obviously, how much has changed since the Independence Bowl where they lost Alabama. But that's why I think at the end of the day, nothing else matters. Get to a bowl game. Get to it however you have to. Maybe if every quarterback on your schedule gets injured and you have to play the third stringer and you win six games, don't bat an eye. Don't apologize for a damn thing because you're still in a bowl game. And guess what? You've got a pretty good recruiting class going. Uh, The month of June was sick. In terms of landing guys, I think they what they get like nine commitments last yeah. month. That's absurd. And did they really? It, I can't remember the number off the top of my head. I could look it up, but just going to keep this moving. But I mean, you, you have that momentum. You make a bowl game all of a sudden. What with did Jordan Gerke quarterback? What did, team what did Hawkins do with a bowl game recruiting class? He signed the number two player in America. He signed a couple, a bunch of other four stars. That was a sick recruiting class. Yep. That's why making a bowl is all that matters. Nothing else matters. I completely agree. Uh, I mean, you could go through here and pick apart the schedule and say, okay, these are games you need to win. It, it just You have to get to a bowl game. And if they don't make a bowl game, it's going to create – it's going to put Rick George in a very, very, very tough position because yeah. you can show improvement this year without making a bowl game. And that's the scary thing because, you know, Mike McIntyre can say, look, we're still on an upward trend, but there's just so much pressure. I mean – if you don't make it this year, that's officially ten. That's a whole decade without you making a bowl game. You eventually, you know, you're gonna, you're, you've already lost so many fans. At some point, you're gonna push people over the edge. So ultimately, for me, it's making a bowl game as well. But I won't rehash the same things that you guys what if, said. What but if, I, but I, but I will lead into that with: Do they need to reach to the next level, aka making a bowl game? Is it what we all said? 
for Mike McIntyre to keep his job. What if, what if you are, you're up by 10 in the fourth quarter versus Utah, all right? You are five and six. You're up by 10. This is going to be really, really scary Dark. if this actually happens. But say something crazy happens. You, you, you lose Lufau. You lose anybody else that's key to the team, maybe, or something like that. And Utah has a just like a, an insane fourth quarter comeback, and you go five and seven. When you were on your way, did you take the next step? A and B, piggybacking on your question. What do you do if you're Rick George? Uh, my opinion is that in that situation, Mike McIntyre would be brought back. Um, but now you're reaching this whole threshold of, well, you can't just have a lame duck coach type of thing. You know, you've got to you got to actually invest in him and yep. re-sign him. And God, we've been down that road before. We have. We so have. you've got to really, really be sure because if you sign it sign Mike McIntyre to a new contract give him a, a you know an extension and, and a, a raise in pay you better hope that you're right because if you're not you're going to do exactly what happened last time and you're going to set this program back another five years and, and Rick George won't survive that no no not at all as, as no AD should as no AD should yeah that you know I just was caught up in that scenario still and I was just like oh god what I was thinking in my head what would I do what would people do if that happened I I didn't I wouldn't be on social media for days I mean like I this this year was pretty bad with how it ended with half the you know half the team seemingly hurt and their quarterback hurt and them being so close in so many games and still making that progress and to get to that next level but to just nick it and then fall flat at the end of the season I don't want to say it would be devastating but for CU fans that have already been through so much the last 10 years to get to that point it it would just it would be hard it would be so heartbreaking I would have a hard time bringing him back for this own this only reason because there's no Lufau coming back the next year there, there's nobody who's proven anything at the quarterback position. And since Ryan brought up a great point, you have to extend him. If you extend a quarterback, if you extend your head coach who has never had a winning record, just went five and seven with a four year starting quarterback, obviously in that situation, maybe he goes down in the final game. But you are essentially demanding then that you are going to ride with him for the next at least two years no matter what the quarterback situation is you're going into such an unknown that's why like i i like mike mcintyre a lot as a man uh i love his family they're great i think they've been great representatives for the university i i hope he wins as a person because i think as i wrote in my column uh what last month if, if there's justice left in college football for people who do things the right way, then he will win this year. I just don't know how, like, there's too much riding on this season and this roster makeup right now to justify bringing back a coach after he misses a bowl game again. Yeah, it's a tough thing. But, but you're looking, I mean, this is assuming they continue on the path they are with recruiting, get a couple more four stars. You're everything's looking up still yeah. and you're still trending up 
uh, you just have to hope Rick George doesn't be put in that situation. Exactly, exactly. I would not want to be in those shoes. We're going to take another quick time out here in the BSN Buffs podcast. We're going to come right back with uh, some more stuff. We're going to have Allie on in a second here as well. Uh, talk about... We're going to do something fun at the end of the show, so stay tuned to that. We're going to basically pitch CU to each other. We're going to role play it. Or, and, uh, and, and that's going to be really fun because with the role play, we're going to be the recruiter for CU and the prospect for CU and the coach recruiting against CU. So that'll definitely be something you guys should be looking for. So stick around. We're going to be right back in the BSN Bus Podcast, part of the BSN Denver Podcast Network. That was an epic game. I could really relax now. Let's go to a dispensary. Yeah, that's a great idea, but it's after 7, so all the dispensaries in Denver are closed. Wait. Life Flower on Leedsdale serves both medical and recreational until midnight daily. Best of all, they're a one-stop shop. They have a huge variety of edibles, drinks, concentrates, flour, and they even have glass in case we need a pipe. Oh, cool. Let's go. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Rain, sleet, or snow. 24 hours a day. Residential or commercial. You name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. If you or somebody you know has been in any type of accident, call Flesh Law. You do not want to face the insurance company alone. If you're not sure what to do, Flesh Law offers free consultation and will meet with you for as long as you need. And if you do decide to file, Flesh Law will have your litigation started immediately so that they can get your case resolved quickly. Call Flesh Law at 303-806-8886 or Google Flesh Law. That's 303-806-8886 for Flesh Law. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Bezo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Jackson's Hole opened up in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching all sporting events. Almost 40 years later, Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. We've upgraded our TVs to 65 and 70 inch HD flat screens. We have amazing food and to top it all off, we have almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps so you can control at your own table. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off of Arapahoe and I-25. Jackson's, the original sports grill.
back on the BSN Buffs Podcast, part of the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Jake Shapiro, Will Whalen, Ryan Konigsberg, Ali Monroy joining us in a second. But let's bring it back and talk about, you know, the recruiting has taken an uptick. Yes? The, the, the last month or so. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And it feels like the program is starting to turn around. Right. Do you think it's been easier for the football program to turn around or the basketball program back when Tad Boyle first took it over? Well, Tad Boyle, also, Tad Boyle had a really unique situation in Boulder. Um, I am not very high on Jeff Bizdelic as a college basketball coach. That is well documented um, for about six years now. But the truth is, is he left Colorado better than he found it in the sense that there was a foundation of a roster that had Alec Burks and Corey Higgins and Levi Knutson and Marcus Relford. Uh, he left a program that was starting to invest in itself with the facilities. And now because of him, right. he put that into his contract. You know, that, was, that was a big negotiating tool for him. Um, with all of that said, Boyle also came into the program at a time where in the next class, he was going to have the two foundational big men of his program as in-state recruits. Uh, Dominique Collier was coming up in the ranks as an in-state recruit that was highly coveted. Uh, there were going to be a couple of classes that he could stay home and recruit to uh, if he started to have some success. So Boyle came into a, a really advantageous position. I give him a lot of credit. Uh, there are a lot of guys that don't win in year one, even if they have talent. There's a lot of guys. And Boyle won a lot of games. He won 24 games his first year. Sustaining that success has been incredibly difficult because of what Colorado basketball is. With that said, Boyle came into a program that was, in terms of setup for immediate success, light years. Light years ahead of the, po- of the program that McIntyre took over. Because... This program had become more than a, a disaster. It had become a running joke. It had become a punchline. It had become a place where you had, honestly, the only reason Colorado football was in the news was because their idiotic athletic director decided to fire his damn head coach and bring him to the freaking press conference. <laughs> that was the most idiotic thing I've ever seen in my life. The way it was handled, given what he knew about John Embry, to a, the, how he knew that was going to go down, it was still done that way. That was the only reason Colorado football needed to be in the news. Or, Didn't that oh, happen hey, in the middle of a basketball game, too? They fired him in the middle of a basketball game. They fired him in the middle of a basketball game. I remember watching Adam like from across the media... <laughs> like pack up all his shit and I was like oh do I have to go like yeah. what do I do I was like on my first year in the beat I was like it's kind of a good game I, I, I just want to stay That's here why I love like, just reporting on the hoops program because <laughs> I got to stay and watch hoops but that's what what Mike McIntyre had to do was incredibly difficult however Mike McIntyre also walked into a program that was funding itself which is really big with state-of-the-art facilities and, and a completely redone way that things were going to be operated. So with that said, they both came in at interesting times. It takes so much more to build a football program than it does a basketball program. If we're talking about nationwide, you got to recruit your quarterback. you you got to have a quarterback. you got to have foundational pieces. you got to have a couple pieces on the O-line, D-line. you got to have a wide receiver or two. You got to have some D backs. I mean, you have to have 11 guys 
on your roster that are pretty pretty good compared to their competition. Maybe they're not better than everybody, but they're pretty good compared to their competition. In basketball, again, if we're talking nationwide, you can recruit one guy and change the makeup of your roster. Now the question is, at Colorado, is it easier to recruit Achito Bayouzier and develop him, and Tedrick Thompson and develop him, have a Nelson Spruce and continue to bring him along than it is to land a Spencer Dinwiddie, a Josh Scott, uh, an Andre Robertson. Is it easier to do that than it is to land those guys in basketball? At Colorado, I say you bet your ass. Not a chance. Yeah. No way. No way. No way. Is it easier to uh, recruit those individuals, if we match them up name for name for Colorado football? Absolutely. Is it easier to accumulate all of those guys than in basketball? Just by pure numbers game, I would say No. So the answer is no. But again, guy for guy? Yes, of course you can guy get one. Guy. Of course it's easier to get one good guy to Colorado football than it is than it is to get one really The only good. reason it's harder to get all those guys to Colorado for football is because you have to recruit 11 of them. Exactly. But in in football, every class you're signing 25 guys. Every class in college football even at Colorado has produced somebody that makes some freaking all conference list in the postseason like there, there's always somebody you lo- you can luck into that but that doesn't do anything for you it, it, those are the guys you build around those are the guys that help you rebuild they help you but where's the fruit of that labor it took one and the fact that we're talking about a team that might get to the next level 10 years time. later in Mike, for Mike McIntyre, what he had to come into, Dan Hawkins was handed a program that just went through some shit, but they were not burned to the ground like he wanted to imitate. No. And and the thing we about... We can't talk about it just on a 10-year stretch, because if we're going to do that, then we have to talk about basketball on a 60-year stretch. Okay, that's fine. But all I'm saying is it's definitely easier to get one good guy to Colorado than it is to get one good guy to, to Colorado basketball, to football, than it is to basketball. But it's much harder to rebuild a football program than it is to rebuild a basketball because program. Because Colorado? Yes. Arguably, Al uh, anywhere. Burks, arguably, Alec Burks changed the basketball program. Yeah, he did. Arguably? He, he didn't change the recruiting in any way. You know, there's one guy in my life that I've interviewed for that's been recruited by CU and Hoops that ever mentioned the name Alec Burks. You want to know who that was? Langston Morris Walker. And he was a bench rider at Oregon, Oregon State. State. No, like nobody. But people didn't met, move the Spencer needle. Dinwiddie got m- mentioned all the time. Exactly, but it took time to get it. It took one guy again to start but, to turn that corner. I get it, but there's a reason why it hasn't been done at Colorado more than like ever. <laughs> there's a reason why this doesn't happen more than once every 15 years for the Colorado basketball program. The Colorado football program, I get it, is in a is in a the worst stretch it's had. Like 10 years of being really bad. And yet, even within that stretch, they're landing NFL guys. Right, but they're still bad. Sure. So it hasn't done anything. I would, but I would disagree because we're sitting here talking about getting to the next level. Because I, I, and I said this last week, getting to the next level nationwide is easier for basketball than football because of the reasons that we're discussing here. Getting to the next level at Colorado, I maintain that the jump for CU to all of a sudden be a basketball school that we're talking about competing for Pac-12 titles, competing for on a yearly basis, competing for elite, like when you look at them in the tournament, 
they're lower than a seven seed just about every year compared to that's like the next level for them and the next level for a program for Colorado football, you have so much more to build on, so much more to sell. Colorado because basketball has been selling nothing. But they're at a lower point, so it's easier for them to get to that next level. Because if you look at where Colorado basketball was 10 years ago, they've done way more to improve their program than where Colorado football was 10 years ago. Sure, but we're, if we're just going to talk about the last 10 years, yeah, the, the arguing that basketball – it's easier to turn around Colorado basketball. Sure. But you hired a once in a, okay. You basically hired the second best or best basketball coach you've ever had. And he has had that success. So that no one else in history of your program has had. So does that mean it all comes down to coaching? Probably. Probably. I mean, yeah. cause without Tad Boyle, we're probably not talking about we're this. Not. We're not. So it. yeah. It does, then does that lead us to believe that maybe, especially if it doesn't happen this year, that Mike McIntyre isn't that coach? You know, it's interesting that you ask me. I, I don't know if you remember. Last year, I think it was after Colorado lost, the Colorado football program lost to, might have been USC. I can't remember who it was. But I kind of started talking about this on Twitter. And I said, you know, not every coach that you hire when you're in the depths and starts to find some success is the guy that leads you all the way there. Right. You know, if, if they don't like because people wanted to fire Mac last year, that's what it was. It was centered around that. And I said, you know, you got to give him next year. If he doesn't make a bowl game with a senior quarterback and all the pieces that he may have, then you thank him for getting things back in the right direction. You say goodbye and you remember him fondly for that. You just don't hate praise on him. Mike McIntyre, if he was fired today, would be the first coach since Bill McCartney to have left the program in a better condition than he when he took it. He absolutely the would. The first one. Yeah. That's the, I mean, so I, going to your point, absolutely. Mike, you can thank Mike McIntyre for what he's done and still fire him. And, and I think as we relate to at Colorado, how frankly difficult it is to win sometimes. Colorado isn't a program of athletics in basketball and football that has more natural advantages to win than disadvantages. I would yeah. say it's a, it's a hard place to coach. It's a hard place to win. And so maybe talking about who has it easier between basketball and football is fruitless. And maybe just like you, you just have to nail your coaching hires here. Whereas at UCLA, you, you, maybe you don't, you right. can hire Steve Alford and still like, have recruit. some success. Yeah. 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 And, and we, and we kind of get that Ryan, because I mean, it's not just like an age, but like we've seen more. We've been around this program in, in an in-depth way a little bit more, and this is where we're going to bring in uh, our newest reporter, Ali Monroy, and, and Jake to bring in their perspectives. As I'm already in. Well, that's why I said to bring your perspective on something that I like, <laughs> value it on. Um, oh wow! Oh, oh wow! Um, Whoa! You guys, you guys are the you guys are a little bit younger. You guys are students at the university. You as students, you guys haven't known anything other than the crap you've seen from the football program and the success that you've seen from the basketball program. That is what it's been for you guys as students. And so I'm interested in your perspective, from your perspectives of yourself and people your age, your peers at the university. Um, A, what is this, what is the feeling around the football program right now? Because we talk about I mean, this whole show has been, they're on the precipice. What does it take to do more? Uh, specifically, and what does doing more look like? 
But from your guys' end, I mean, is there any buzz on campus about this football season? Is there anybody on campus who gives a damn about this football program? And as young people, young journalists in the industry, students uh, who have probably been to a couple games as a fan, kind of what what's your feeling in general about this team and this year? Uh, I guess, Allie, let's, uh, let's start with you. Hi, guys. Um, oh, she's here. She's here. <laughs> Basically, from what I've seen, there isn't much hype around the football team. I think we need to beat CSU for that to happen, and that's when people start getting hyped. I mean, that's like the biggest game of the season for all of us. And I don't know, it's kind of disappointing, but it's true. We've only seen the football do bad, like the football team do bad and the basketball team do good. That's like how it's been through my three years here. And I think we need to win a bowl game. Like, I think. I think that's, one. well, make it, oh, but right. it's just like people don't, like fans really don't care about going to the games. They'd rather win the tailgate than go to the game because they know they're not going to win the game. And you can do both, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, Jake, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a little bit of a different perspective just because, you know, Allie's from the East Coast and she's only been here three years. I've literally been in Boulder the year the football team started losing. I came here. I have not. I've been here for ten years. Have not seen them win. Anything. Oh, so it's your fault. I might be the reason. <laughs> so everybody can just throw all their shade at you. Yeah, he's a bad luck on social media, in person. Hashtag shaft shade. <laughs> oh my god. I had I had to just shut you up. Um, <laughs> that's real, as you would say. Uh, you know, this is the absolutely crucial year because I've been here for three years. Uh, I have friends that were at CU that just graduated last year that had never seen a home win at Folsom Field. There was one, and a lot of the people missed that because it was during, like, uh, whatever, the frat boy weekend where they all go up into the mountains. Fall formal. Fall formal, exactly. (laughs) I don't know. I don't do that. But it's it's essential for them to – and Allie's right. They need to win a bowl game because we've seen that with – the basketball team, for instance, since we're comparing basketball and football, that it doesn't really matter how good or how much hype is around the, the basketball team until they actually go out and win something. Yeah. We saw the hype build when they beat Arizona this year. That's when it went click. You know, it, it, they need to go out and beat CSU. They need to go out and beat a team like Oregon or Michigan. And then all of a sudden, people are going to be like, okay, well, our football team might not be trash. But right now, it still is a punching uh, a punchline at uh, CU. Everyone thinks the football team is trash. No one knows probably who Mike McIntyre is or what he does or why he's still coaching the team, honestly. People think Sefo Lufau is trash because he hasn't done anything. Uh, in their eyes, they haven't won it. They, the Buffs have won uh, two games the students have seen, the two being CSU games, essentially. And, uh, I mean... That is the one game where students have gone to, the CSU-CU game. And they need to continue to capitalize on that game because they haven't done it the last few years. Every time it feels like they can capitalize on that game, for instance, last year I think it was the Arizona game was the first home game at Folsom Field, they crap the bed. And the students don't want to show up and watch a loser. They want to show up and watch a winner and party. First of all, I just have to say that I love that Ali said that the CSU game is the biggest game because... The people that are listening to this podcast hate hearing that so much, but it is the truth, and that's the way it's become. And as much as you want to dismiss CSU as a legit rival of CU, it's true, and the games are close, and and it's what the students care about. Like, students need a real rivalry. I mean, a lot of people listening to this had Nebraska. Well, there there is no Nebraska, but, like, Mm -hmm. to love 
the team, you also like have to hate another team. It just it's it all goes hand in hand. Um, and I think not only do they have to beat CSU, but they have to send a message in that game because last year, yeah, they beat CSU and everyone was celebrating and everyone was going crazy in the student section. But as they're walking out of the tunnels, everyone's thinking to themselves, "Damn, we needed overtime to beat CSU. We're screwed in the Pac-12." So they they really need to to take care of business against CSU and send a message that they are superior to them. I definitely think CSU game is the game to prove to the fans that they're a worthy team for the season. I think that might not be for anyone else, but for the fans, if they see them do well, yeah, for the students, if they see them do well, then they'll get hyped and they'll get excited for the rest of the season. And that's the key because, you know, being close to a lot of the students that run uh, the Folsom Frenzy, soon to be uh, C-Unit football, that's a little inside information. Uh, Someone's going to get mad at you for breaking I really don't care. Um, Yes, anyways, you know, they try every year, they're trying to figure out how do we get more fans to the games. They ask me, how can we get more fans to the games? I say, you got to win the CSU game and you got to win a huge home game right after that. And they just haven't done that. They don't, every time they seem to have some momentum rolling in the right direction to get some students into the stands or get some students caring, they fall flat on their face. Not to mention, I mean, they fell flat on their face before they had that opportunity last year in the Hawaii game. Right. I mean, you had lost everyone. Actually, a lot of people didn't even know that game happened. The nice happened. part is no one knew that game happened. <laughs> a lot of people didn't even know that game happened, which is a problem in itself. But you, the, the buzz around campus when people got to class on Monday was, oh, great, we suck again. You know, yeah. you can hit the uh, water boy. Oh, no, we suck again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was the feeling. I mean, and, and that goes back to the, the year before where they lost to CSU. Exactly. They haven't got all, right. Definitely. Every time they've had a chance for momentum, they've squandered it. Um, and that goes to the Arizona game last year, the Oregon game last year. All these games were... USC where, game last right, year. All, and these were all night games, so a lot of students were there. And all of them, they had a chance to win those games. So uh, they really need to get a ball rolling and keep it going and keep it going because they haven't had any sustained momentum for an extended period of time in a season. And from the student's perspective, all they want to do is rush the field. It really yeah. doesn't matter who it is against. If they go out and beat Oregon State at home next year... I bet you half the people in the crowd will be talking about rushing the field. You know why? Because none of the students have seen Colorado football win a game at Folsom Field. That's, that's the truth of it. I've seen two wins at Folsom Field, and I've lived in Boulder for 10 years. Or maybe three. Oh, you know what? It's <laughs> Charleston Southern, too. Four. Yeah, come on. And counting the D2. So I've seen two Division I wins, I think. That's real not good, actually, now that right. I think about it. So I guess at the end of the day... If, if CU goes to a bowl game, if they win a damn bowl game, Allie, do you actually, in your heart of hearts, believe that's going to convince the CU campus to start giving a damn about this program again? Because, and, and, and maybe I shouldn't say again, because to be honest, support has always been kind of fair weather. And, I mean, when my, my sister went to Colorado when they were winning, Big 12, winning a Big 12 title. And going to Big 12 title games and beating Nebraska and being number three in the polls. I mean, even then it was a little bit fickle. I start go. I, I was going to Colorado when... What are you saying by fickle? I mean, they were, it was full. Not every night. Not every... And, and even then... Yeah, again, they only play once a week, so why would it be full every night? <laughs> oh, gag me. For, <laughs> it, it, what I mean by fickle is, is maybe more this, is... For example, when I was going to when I went to Colorado, we were I, I remember 
as students my first year we were talking about all the home games we were going to go to and I was the only one who knew jack about football I mean I, I started following the team I, I remember subscribing now to Monster Tigers site back then um, shout out to buffstampede.com on their move to scout.com by the way big time um, and talking to people nobody nobody watched the away games no, the only reason why you went to a home game was because it was something to do with all your friends where you could dress up crazy, have an ex- even another excuse to drink all day and all night. And if you won, you acted like you cared so you could party harder. And if you lost, you acted like you cared for five minutes so you could shotgun eight beers in a row. <laughs> that's the, that was what caring was. But that's obviously light years. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot more than what goes on now. Mm-hmm. So, Ali, if the football program wins a bowl game this year, are we looking at full student sections next year, do you think? Um, I Make don't know. Make a call. I've this is what the BSN Buffs <laughs> podcast is all about. No, Make a call and put I it to your name. I really don't think so. I think it'll be there'll be more fans, but definitely not like 100% full. I think what does it Colorado. Take? Colorado just, when I think of Colorado, at least when I came from like, Northern Virginia and D.C., I don't think of Colorado as a football, like, school. It's just, like, it's not. And I think that a lot of people who come here have the same feeling. Like, they're not here to, like, oh, yeah, like, Ohio State. Like, let me go watch a football game. Like, that's part of the college culture. Here, the college culture is tailgating, having fun, maybe going to a game if you can make it. And if not, then it's fine. Like, you'll see the score. If Colorado wins, great. That's awesome. If not... Well, no surprise at that point. Like, that's the mindset. And I think that even if we do get to that point, it'll hype us up, but we'll have to continue it for it to, for Colorado to become anything sort of a college, like, football school for us. I just love, I love this perspective so much because it's everything that the people listening to this do not want to hear, but it's so important for them to hear it because it's the truth. And that's what it's become. People don't come to see you anymore for the sports. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so hard to get student attendance because these kids didn't come here thinking, wow, I can't wait to go to football and basketball games. They have, they want to go hiking or skiing or whatever it is. And that's the hardest thing I think for CU fans to admit to themselves. But that's the truth at this point. You need to capitalize on the freshmen and get them into Folsom right away and get them loving football and get the next class of freshmen to come to Boulder because of football. And there's uh, I remember I was interviewing Jay Billis for a story when I was in high school about this kind of exact thing of how athletics are tied into university success. And when Florida went back to back for basketball and the, the year that they won football and basketball at the same time they were the most applied to public university in the world i think they were the most applied to university in the world and that i we can talk about what that does for university's academic standing but people all of a sudden want to go to florida because damn that looks fun look at those students at the national title game that looks so much fun when you see teams in the final four and their students when you watch the pac-12 tournament if you're a high if you're a fan of basketball in high school and you see the c unit in los angeles yeah. That looks fun. When you do not when you when you don't have that window into a program, you know what kids at CU say? They can why oh, why'd you come to CU from Atlanta, from Chicago, from New York, from DC? Uh I I love skiing. I want to go skiing in the winter. I heard the politics out here are super liberal and I can smoke pot wherever I want. Nobody comes here at all for this is a big time major public university i want everything that comes with that including the sports environment you don't hear that from kids and that's 100 percent true because when i was applying to schools the three schools i really wanted to go to were or four schools sorry kansas because of i wanted to be part of that student section 
Utah State, because I wanted to be part of that student section. Florida Gulf Coast, because they just went to the Sweet 16. I did apply to Florida Gulf Coast. And CU, because I knew how dope the C unit was. So they... Colorado needs to start getting kids like that, that want to have fun and be part of the student sections. But in order for that to happen, they need to prove that they're good. It's, it's the chicken and the egg thing that we always talk about. I agree. And I think like as of right now, I'm going into my senior year and the people that I know from juniors and seniors, I think I have five friends who have um, all season passes. It's the freshmen that you want to like grab because they don't they just don't care about going to the games. If I really want to go to a game, I'll pay the money, but I'm not going to spend $200 for all the whole season. And so I think definitely grabbing the freshmen and with winning games, with winning a bowl game, getting that momentum will make freshmen want to keep going. After if I was a freshman and we won a bowl game, I would definitely buy my season pass for next year 100%. But it's about the long con. You get them when they're a freshman and they're super excited. You win a couple games. Their sophomore year, if you suck, they're like, well, I'm going to buy it again for junior year because maybe it'll be like freshman year again. Exactly. And if they suck again, they're a senior year. Well, it's my last year. I might as well buy the tickets because I'm never going to go to a game again. But th- ideally, but what actually happens is with the lack of sustained success, you lose them over time. Well, that's the thing. I completely remember my freshman year, all of my friends had tickets, every single one. Sophomore year got smaller. By senior year, everyone was like, I didn't even go to any of the games last year. I don't want to waste my money this year. You can't let that happen. I mean, you have to get them when they're freshmen and make it fun then. So really, I think it's going to be four years of sustained, solid football before you have a full student section. Speaking of freshmen, and speaking about up-incoming freshmen, we're going to try and pitch to each other, why would you come to see you if you were a, let's say, three-star football commit? Let's, let's pitch that back to each other. Four-star, five-star. We'll, we'll, we'll get in there. Uh, so we're going to come right back on the BSN Buff Podcast and the BSN Denver Podcast Network. In order to keep all of our content free, we're going to take this quick time out. Thank you. 35 miles west of Vail, nestled in the Rocky Mountains, is Colorado's most beautiful golf course, Gypsum Creek. The creek flows through the course as Colorado wildlife is spotted, along with views of the Red Table Mountains. You can play this spectacular course for as low as $68 for 18 holes, and that even includes the cart. The twilight rate is less than half of that. Book your next tournament, wedding, or special event at gypsumcreekgolf.com That's gypsumcreekgolf.com Flora is the Apple Store of Cannabis. With three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience, Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to eufloracolorado.com. That's eufloracolorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. 
Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Back on the BSN Denver Podcast Network, this is the BSN Buffs Podcast alongside Will Whalen, Ryan Koningsberg, and Ali Monroy. This is Jake Shapiro. We got one last segment for you, entitled, or not entitled, just titled, not entitled, uh, Sell Me on CU. It's entitled way. because there's so many millennials on this podcast. <laughs> so many millennials. Will, are you a millennial? He doesn't have a mic right now. Am I technically a millennial? I don't know. I don't think so. You can't sit with us. Yeah, you're not allowed on this podcast. I'm going to Google what is a millennial. I Uh, don't think so. So anyways, you're recruiting a five-star quarterback, wide receiver, running back, point guard, or scoring guard, as Will put on the sheet. How do you sell CU as it currently stands? That's the question. How do you sell CU as it currently stands? Oh, yeah, technically I'm a millennial, it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I was born after 1980, so I'm a millennial. Whoa, that is way too broad. After 1990, in my opinion. That's what it said. You have to be a 90. All right, then I'm not a millennial. Actually, give me like 1987. When were you born? People born between 1980 and 2000. That's a long. Whenever you time. were born, it's one year after you. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> um, all right, all right. <laughs> sell sell the school. So, well, first of all, I mean, if you're a recruit, you probably care about three main things, right? Care about getting to the next level. You're playing right away. Early playing time, getting to the next level, and winning games. I care about one thing. What do you? You're my recruit. What do you care about, Jake? How much money you got? And I'm a coach at the University of Colorado. I'm a five-star quarterback. How much money you got? How much money are you leaving at my doorstep? Not enough. There you go. And the problem of Colorado <laughs> recruiting has been solved. <laughs> and now I'm going to UCLA. Now, um, if, if, if the top three things revolve something around that, getting to the next level, playing time early, and winning games, the thing as a Colorado coach that I would sell is, first of all, you winning games is part of your college experience. You want to obviously enjoy your college time uh, with the football program. You want to have success, but when you co- with Colorado, we haven't had the success that you're looking for. All right, but we bring you in, and you're going to be a part of that success, getting to what you're looking for. No, you look at Alabama. Everybody there now, they're, they're blending in to a picture of what Alabama is. They're blending in to the motif. At Colorado, you're the damn painter. You want to paint your own piece? You want to leave a legacy? You come here. Because you're going to play day one if you show up to fall camp and compete. You do what you need to do in the weight room, in, on the track, keeping yourself in shape, and you show up day one like I've seen you before. We're, you're going to get early playing time. We're going to win a lot of games because of the difference that you're going to make at a position that we need difference makers. And so we're going to win games. And because you're going to set a new trend, because of the buzz that you're going to generate with your work ethic, with your personality, with your production, people are going to take notice. The media is going to take notice. 
There will be profiles. If you want profiles, they'll be written about you because that's the kind of dynamic person you are. But most importantly, the difference that you make on the football field is going to catch notice of people in NFL circles. And I've coached in the NFL before. I, I, I've been a defensive coordinator. I've been a, a linebacker's coach. And I have connections to the NFL. You, you show up and you play for me. You play your ass off and you make a difference. I, I, I'm going to reach out to them and make sure they know about you. Coach. But, but your best player last year didn't even get drafted. That was on the offensive ball, side of the ball, son. I'm, I'm, yeah, but I'm I mean, a five-star quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're a five-star quarterback, I mean, the, the big thing is... Here's my question, Coach. As a five-star quarterback, obviously the most important thing for me is making it to the next level. Yeah. Not only has your staff never put a quarterback in the, in the next level, but this university hasn't put one, uh, a quarterback in the NFL since I've been alive. You know, that, the reason for that is, is threefold. Number one... Historically, the University of Colorado has been a running school. Look at our Heisman Trophy winner. That's a running back. Look at the people who have received Heisman Trophy votes. Those have been running backs or running quarterbacks. We are, we are a school that has traditionally been kind of shying away from pass-heavy offense. Obviously, that's changing. The second reason that we haven't put quarterbacks into the NFL, because we haven't had to work, we haven't had anybody as good as you to work with. You know, we haven't done a good enough job previously of getting guys like you on board, of communicating, finding out what you're most interested in. In the past, we haven't done a good enough job of getting you guys to campus. And we're hoping that changes with you. And third, because I want to be real with you, we didn't do a good enough job in the past, in general. And guess what? That's the reason why we're here is because we know our job is to develop you, but we're going to learn from you too. Because this is a dynamic relationship. We want you to have a say in meetings. We want you to have a say in your development and have a say in this program because you're going to be a cornerstone of it. I've been following Colorado for a long time. I love it here. I think Boulder is beautiful. And that's why, you know, you're here with me right now, Coach. I've watched Sefo Lufau for the last three years. And in my opinion, he hasn't gotten any better. How can I be assured that Brian Lindgren and you and your staff are going to make me a better player? The best assurance that any of us have is over things that we can control. So that means as much as we want you, as much as we, as highly as we think of you, and as confident in, as we are in our, de- our ability to develop you, it's going to take work on your side as well. Some people, you know, Cepho has been a great ambassador for our program. He's improved as a leader Every year, his value to this team has improved every single year. We do think that he has improved. Now, we like your ceiling. We like the tools that you have and the ceiling that you have because we think it's limitless. And as much as we want to work with that, the best assurance you can ever have is the stuff that you can control. You know what you can control? You can control your work ethic. You can control how much ownership you take in your development on your own. You can show up to camp in shape so that we're, we don't have to waste our time trying to get everybody in shape. We want you to be ready to go day one so that we can make the best strides possible every single day in your development. Let's not waste time with conditioning. Let's develop you right away, day one, and we can move forward from that. It's a pretty good pitch. All right. So, I mean, yeah. That's, all right. All right. Let's go. Jake, are you sold? Uh, do you I make know, the top five? 
You're making the top five, but I don't think I'm picking you. I think I'm picking Urban Meyer. That's real. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not because it wasn't a good pitch, but it's because I don't necessarily want, I, I want to be part of the program. I want to be a cornerstone if I'm a recruit. I want to be the guy that changes things around. But I know every single quarterback's name that has played for Ohio State in the last 10 years. I can't name one that's played for CU. Yeah, I was going to say, name them. Uh, Stop. You, you can't do it. I can, but. <laughs> no, you can't. Troy Smith. One. The white guy after him. Yeah, there you go. Him, <laughs> that was the one I wasn't going to be able to get. The one, the white guy. And then, uh, yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, I mean. Allie, are you picking the buffs? Um, it was a really good pitch, but I don't, I don't. I'm still questioning it. I think what this comes down to is it's not the pitch. Exactly. And it's what's, it's what's behind it. Yep. It's what – it's the program behind – I mean, these kids don't, don't come in thinking, man, I need to go somewhere where I'm going to be the big man on campus. They are – I mean, they're already the big man on campus at their high school. They, they, they're so confident in their abilities. They're the quarterback. I, no matter what, I'm going to go there and everyone's going to know who I am because – I'm going to Ohio State where everyone knows who the yep. big quarterback coming in is. Yep. Uh, it, it just – your pitch can be as good as it – unless it's one of those kids who comes over those the hill, sees those flat irons, and just falls drop dead in love right then. then sees a pretty girl on campus by the UMCs like, oh, I got to be here for her. <laughs> but there's a hundred of those. Everywhere. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. They're pretty top-notch in Boulder. <laughs> 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 So, yeah, no, I think you're right. The, the pitch, what do you have to pitch? What can you pitch? And honestly, even more than the pitch, I'll, I'll be honest, I think even more than the pitch, what matters is does the kid trust you? Does the family trust you? What kind of relationship have you built with them? And, if you got, and does the mom love you? If the mom loves you, you can... You, Coach McCartney used it to get in every living room in the country that he wanted to. The mom loves you. You've got a fighting chance. And in the end, my mom turned you down because you have a neck tattoo. That's real. (laughs) It's real. And, you know, one of the things I I do think that was true with (laughs) – it's so funny – with with recruiting is that, you know, for the buffs to to get those guys is not only the wins need to happen and, you know, the facilities is obviously such a big thing, but – they need to pitch the academics more. And I, I know every... No, nope, you know absolutely no, not. No. They need to... You, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's... You didn't let me finish. You, you know, to, to five-star guys, they're all going to the NFL. I know that. But to continue to get four stars or three stars, you say, hey, you know, we're the only university in the world that's gotten a, you know, a ship up to every single planet. You can and pitch you know academics to the parents. But, yeah. but, but you pitch that in that meeting with the family and the parents because I think the, the fam, a lot of those families realize that you know, not every single they kid. They don't. They don't. The, fa- the families are the stupidest ones of all generally. Really? They are, I mean, because they see that not all of them, granted, but they are so caught up in controlling their kid's future in like trying to navigate what's best for this for this career that and a what point zero zero one percent of football players in human history have majored in anything that would ever direct them towards a classroom where they'd need to know about a ship going to space that'd be interesting for me 
Like, but you're, but you're not a five-star, you're not a four-star football player. And that's the thing is none of these four-star football players out of the 250 that there are per year-ish, you want to know how many of them are ready to say right now, I'm probably not going to the NFL? Maybe one a year. These kids, even if in the interview they're like, you know, I really care about academics. You want to know that they want to know about the things we talked about earlier. Get me to the next level. Let me play early and win some damn football games. Yeah. I mean, if you come into a recruiting pitch with me and I, I understand you have to pitch the parents on academics. But if you're talking to me and you start talking academics, you have lost me. Like, I, agree. I, I want you to, t- like, really, if you're recruiting me, I want you to tell me how little I have to go to class. <laughs> like, that would be a good pitch to me. Would have been like, then I should look, be pitch- dude. I should be in these meetings pitching people. <laughs> they, they, they were like, dude, look, like, we've got counselors. We've got this and that. Like, you don't actually have to go to class. We'll get you through. I'd be like, sign me up. You've got this kid, Shap, who's going to take your comm classes for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For so. me, when it comes to pitching, I think actions speak louder than words, and you can say all you want to me, but it's like you guys were saying, it's your past, and it's what I can see from the future, and you can, everyone has real nice talk. You can say whatever you want, but... And that, and these kids are hearing the same thing every time, they, oh, we need you, you're going to get us to the next level, so they get sick of those cliches. Mm-hmm. After a little minor incident here on the BSN Buffs podcast... We're going to be wrapping it up for Ryan Koningsberg, who you can follow at Ryan Koningsberg on Twitter. For Will Whalen, who you can follow at William underscore Whalen. Allie, what's your Twitter handle? At Al- for Ali Monroy, who you can follow at Ali Monroy. I am Jake Shapiro, who you can follow at Shapalicious. You can follow all of our work on bsnbuffs.com. That is it for this episode of the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you back next week, next Thursday. Thursday mornings when we drop these. I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car He didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood and stared They'd seen his face before Nobody was really sure if he was on the house